Hello, and welcome to episode 61 of Golden Shower of Hits. On today's podcast, Mike and Jamie will discuss Mingus, 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 Mingus by jazz legend Charles Mingus, released in 1964. Jazz is an art and a science. When I was studying jazz in music school, I soon learned that there are way more jazz scientists than there are artists. Mingus is a true artist and one of the greatest composers of the genre. I hope the guys like this one, but I'm not holding my breath. How are you? Good, man. How you doing? Uh, I'm I'm good. Nice. I'm good. It's what uh, the fuck? <laughs> it's so weird not talking to you for a week. I know it was great for you, right? <laughs> You're like no one was like John never like yelled at you for having an opinion, right? Right. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. He was on board with my grading system. Uh, yeah. yeah, I actually <laughs> gasped. I was just like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Although I was shocked. Maybe I'm, so. I'm softening up on it a little bit, yeah. but not, but only the concept, but n- <laughs> look, <laughs> let's not get into that. We have, no, let's go right into a it. A lot because of look, stuff to cover this week. If it, I mean, if anything below 60 is failing, oh yeah. Look, on a scale of one to a hundred, <laughs> because a score of one out of a hundred is possible. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So you're saying oh my God. that 65, a perfect C, middle C, if you will, <laughs> is a perfect, is, a, is an average score, but you're basing it on, on no parameters. You're just basing it on numbers and an idea rather than... Um, I mean, we could do it versus the body of work that we've done and create a curve that way. Do you understand what I mean? You know, I was looking forward to this week talking to you, but (laughs) 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 well, this grading thing is fucked and you keep saying, this is the thing. Oh my God. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to this school teacher and we're going to get to the bottom of this, but then you don't because I don't think you have confidence in your, in your approach. Oh my God. (laughs) But what the fuck do I know? Just a guy with the microphone. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, we got a lot to cover this week. So, yeah, it's been two weeks since you and I have talked. And we both have been up to a bunch of stuff. And we have follow-up. So, uh, uh, Let me start by saying I really enjoyed the, the podcast. Yeah, John was amazing. It was definitely a, a very different podcast. But, you know, uh, not in a bad way. Like... John is so smart. <laughs> he, like he would Fuck be amazing you. at. <laughs> no, no I, I mean you know our podcast is our podcast, and I love doing it. Uh, but John definitely you know digs into the the record and the minutia of all kinds of shit that you know normally we gloss you and I gloss over. You know, so it was interesting to be a part of that. You know, so right. Yeah. Anyways, I, I enjoyed doing it with John, but. You're my A number one, so. <laughs> You're my Huckleberry. <laughs> so. Uh, Did he come to your house for it? No, no. I was in Astoria and he, we got the technical stuff worked out so he could uh, do it from his house. So. You did? Yeah. So theoretically, any combination of the three of us could do this in the future. Yes. Wow. Yeah. We're, we're building a collective. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's wonderful. It's, yeah. a, it's a cooperative. No, it'll be good because, I mean, you know, if I need to take a week off or whatever, you and John could do it. So The golden shower of cooperatives. Yeah. Or uh, one week I could take the week off and you and Rudy could do the episode. Fuck, that would be great. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Can you imagine how awesome that would be? 
<laughs> no, it'd probably be the best. Oh, it'd be so good. I think Rudy's probably better at Burns than either of us. Oh, yeah, for sure. Are you kidding? He's like Mr. Burns. <laughs> He's so good. So, yeah. Oh, I, at some point in the future, we'll, we'll talk Rudy into doing it. So, And, you know, I would assume Rudy is super, like, in the weeds on stuff, too. You know, like, he texts me, uh, like, all kinds of great songs and shit that I've never heard f- before all the time he's like hey check this out i think you might like this or you know so he's a huge music fan and right. um you know with the deep knowledge so i think he his his uh outlook on records would be super interesting so maybe for show 100 <laughs> maybe for show 100 we'll have just rudy and john do the show <laughs> it'll be uber nerdy deep in the weeds oh. on a record I'm really into that. Yeah. But also because they don't know each other at all. Right. They probably right. never interacted at all. Yeah. It would be like a blind date of like who <laughs> Music the nerds. fuck knows yeah, yeah. what is gonna happen. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I'm mean, gonna see we'll figure it out. This is a smart idea. Yeah. What episode are we on? Sixty? Uh, yeah, sixty one, yeah. Oh, okay. We got a little while, so but Yeah. Yeah. yeah months to go yeah um so mike has a new nickname this week that i learned i do yes father really? mike <laughs> i listened to your <laughs> zach wild <laughs> interview on couch riffs and, yeah yeah and it was great i he was not nearly as annoying as i thought he was gonna be i, en- I enjoyed the interview i thought you did a great job and it was funny you know when you told your story about meeting him or whatever Mike Mike had met Zach uh, and they had a weird interaction uh, their first meeting and then Mike tells that story to people and so Mike told the story to Zach on the Couchress episode and felt like Zach didn't it didn't go over well with Zach but I listened to it and I thought I didn't think it was weird at all I don't I don't think he felt weird or whatever like I, I think when it wasn't that it didn't go it was just that midway through telling him the story Mm -hmm. i was regretting opening my mouth and telling him the story i was telling him the story mostly because probably a dozen people and like anyone who caught wind of the idea that or the fact that i was going to be talking to him for the podcast um was like are you going to tell him the story Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're going to tell him the story right and i i felt i felt like pressured to tell him and (laughs) then it felt it felt okay because we were talking about drinking and quitting drinking and um yeah so i thought it went over fine i i I think you i just felt like a hypersensitive telling him no i i I felt like a dick because he was like i'm really sorry oh i think i don't think he had a problem with it i think it was fine at least you know from the outside that was my perception of it so Uh All right. Well, I wouldn't that's good. It. But I, I, I did like that he called you Father Mike. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the club. Yeah. I got to get a vest. Oh God, I need a vest now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, uh, one thing I, I liked was, uh, he was talking. You were asking him about using like a profiling amp or whatever, and he's like, "No, man. If you and I toured, we'd have to take twelve JCM eight hundreds." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, when he said that, I thought of you actually. I was like, he's like, this guy gets it. He's like, okay, so you're playing through two live on stage. And that and way, if one breaks down, yep. That way, if one breaks down, you're still going. Then you get a, a backup going. Like he's talking about all these backups. I'm like, I'm really starting to like this guy. <laughs> I like the cut well, of his jib. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how it went on tour. That's yeah. how it always goes on tour. Yeah. And that's how Duff made us roll. Although I wasn't playing through two, I played through one. Yeah. Sometimes I did play through two, though. Like sometimes, you know, it's a fly-in gig, and there's like, all right, what do you want for a for a backline? And I was always like, well, I'm the only amp on my side, and so it looks dumb if you just, you know, it's just like one half stack yeah. floating out there in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So I'm like, give me as many four twelves as you can across <laughs> the back, mm-hmm. and I'll take at least two heads. Yeah. And then the other one sometimes would just be dummies. Yeah. But a lot of times it was just it was two heads, two cabs. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of two heads, two cabs, the sound. Uh, but I yeah, you know, if you're playing a bigger gig, you, you definitely can't just have one half stack. Like John played at the Roseland 
And he was just going to bring one head and one cabinet. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you need at least another head and another cab. So uh, I don't remember if I forced him to bring one of mine or not. But <laughs> yeah, you know, you need the, the the backdrop. You know what I mean? So and backups. I, so. At the at the more theater gig that, that uh, Alien Crime Syndicate did, I played my SLO 100 through a, uh, through a Orange Cab and my JCM 800 my 50 watt JCM 800 vertical input through the white Marshall, um, whatever that, what was the anniversary thing that they oh, did in 97? Yeah. Yeah. I had one of those. Wow. Cabs. That's pretty cool. It was a great, that's cab a pretty fucking I, cool setup. The 800 through that made a glorious sound. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. I really fucked up. <laughs> that's all right. Shit comes and goes, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed the episode and uh, I might actually check out his new record. So, uh, it's, you know, I think I told you when we were talking, it's, I know that I know what you think about it. What you, <laughs> I know you have an assumption about it, yeah. but it's probably a lot better than you think it is. Yeah. And you might even like it more than you think. It sounds like kind of like, like the last Sabbath record, maybe a little more up tempo. Okay. And except for just with fucking gnarly acrobatic fucking power pentatonic guitar solos dude is a maniac well does he do any pinch harmonics on it not as not like he used like there was a you know there was a point when it seems like every third sound that came out of his guitar was that yeah yeah well but it doesn't it doesn't feel like that anymore i uh it was funny i didn't know anything about zach sabbath so apparently Oh yeah, he plays in a Black Sabbath cover band, and so I was like, "Oh!" And so I Googled it, and some YouTube videos came up, and so I I watched two of them, and yeah, every third sound that came out of the guitar was a fucking pinch harmonic. Was Was it? Oh yeah. Oh my god. Then too. Yeah, it was really bad. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I I like pinch harmonics as much as the next guy, but Jesus Christ, this is a little much. So, well, uh, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, we're gonna we're. I have to fire through this shit. So, uh, speaking of couch riffs, Jen's humble brag for the week is she bought two couch riffs mugs. <laughs> she did? Yeah. Well, I she sent me a picture and I was like, oh, she bought some coffee and got a free mug is what I thought. Uh, I don't... I don't know how she got it, but she got two two mugs. She she really likes the mug and then obviously she likes you, so... Well, uh, that's, uh, that's great. Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't even... I have one mug. I actually... <laughs> I bought mine off the website. Yeah. I probably, I mean, I'm sure they would have given me one if I, but they're all the way down in Brooklyn and I wasn't going to ask them to just send me one. Right. Right. I just, uh, you know, because whatever, I don't, I never had any of the inventory. It was all part of like they advertise and then we co-branded this mug and it really, it's more about trying to help their, their end of advertising is more about them. Uh, getting some traction on their subscription service, which is right. really great. Yeah, but anyway, we're not advertising for them right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, but that's uh, that's amazing. Do you know what my humble brag is? Mm. Soda Stream. What is Soda Stream? Soda Stream is one of those little. Um, it's a thing. Basically, it's a stand that you screw a water bottle into, uh-huh. and then it's got you know you screw on the back side of it a big CO two cartridge. Okay. Kind of like what would go into a BB gun, but but much bigger. Right, yeah. And then you can make carbonated water, like oh, soda. Wow. Okay. And so I've been experimenting making sodas. So I made... Like Italian made sodas myself, or whatever? No, I made like a ginger soda last oh, okay. night. And then I, uh, I made one for Christine this morning with f- fresh ginger juice. We nice. just went to the store. I'm, I've been making this this coffee soda mm-hmm. that's very delicious in the afternoon yeah it's incredible sounds good so there you go what do you think <laughs> uh i'm not a big fan of carbonated water so i mean i liked coca-cola back in the day but like sparkling really? you don't like, like sparkling, sparkling water no i can't stand it wow yeah what's wrong with you there's a lot of things wrong with me. <laughs> Jesus. You want to open up that fucking can of worms? I'm joking. Yeah. There's, you're perfect. You're just as God created you. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, oh, Jen's uh, other humble brag for the week, purchase for the week, is she bought a 
backup propane tank. <laughs> <laughs> Does she tell you about her humble brags? Or are you having to snoop around or take note? It's a little, notice? it's a little bit of a combination, but sometimes she'll be like, Oh, Hey, for the humble brag this week. And then she'll tell me something ridiculous that she bought. That's so, you know, I love that. Yeah. Like a backup propane tank. So. <laughs> I love that. Hopefully next week I'm going to have a fucking very cool humble brag, which is not really going to be a purchase. It's going to be a barter. Oh, but that's exciting. It's that thing that I texted you and Guffy. Oh, wow. I think I'm maybe going to get it tomorrow. Oh, that's amazing. I know, right? I'm, I'm super excited about I just, that. I just don't know. I just like, I'm, I don't know why I'm always so tentative about all these this type of decision <laughs> but i am you know yeah i mean if there's one thing that i've learned you know if you can afford stuff like you're never gonna regret Having buying something you know Marshall. what i mean like yeah <laughs> you know you're never gonna be like oh man i wish i didn't have this amp you know but there are plenty of things that i wish i would have bought that i let pass you know so Right. And, you know, if you if you get it and you decide, oh, it's not for me, it's not like you're going to have any problem it's getting not gonna, money back out of it. So Right. It's not going to lose value. Yeah. So. Right. Um, so I have big news this week. Uh, Talk to me. The other week, I was doing the show notes for the show, <clears throat> and um, we you had mentioned Wolf Tone Pickups. Oh, yeah. And so I was adding their URL to the show notes, and I decided to look at their website and I found a pickup that I thought might work for me. Oh, really? Yes. So and I bought it. It arrived. Yeah. Uh, it arrived the other day, and I literally soldered it into a guitar, like one of my favorite guitars. I don't know, like two hours ago. It's fucking yeah. awesome. It's great. Yeah, I, that's amazing. Yeah. So, dude. Yeah, like you know, everybody makes like these PAF style pickups you know, which are like 8K or whatever. And right. I I don't use a distortion pedal. I just plug straight into the amp. And so I need to hit the front end of the amp hard to get distortion. And so not a lot of people make high output pickups that are not for metal. You know what I mean? Right. So which one did you get? I ended up with the Timberwolf. And uh -huh. it's a, What is that, like 12 or something? It's a Alnico 5, which that's what the 498T is, which that's, mm -hmm. you know, the pickup I use. And the 498T is like 13K. Uh, this one's 15K. So I oh. was like, oh, well, this could be like a 498T, but a little bit hotter. And that's totally something I would want, right? Right. And that's exactly what it is. Like, it sounds great. It's just, it just pushes the amp a little more than a 498T. I'm fucking psyched. It sounds great. Um, it, you know, I ordered it off the website. They're having a sale. Um, I don't know how long it goes for, but it's, I think the coupon code or whatever is COVID 25. So I think it's 25% off. So it was a little over a hundred bucks for the pickup and a, you know, a 498 T's. That's an amazing price. That's how I bought my, um, you know, the guitar that I've have been talking about a yeah. bunch. Yeah. That's got a Wolftone Dog Ear P90 in it. Right. But I had wanted to put in a humbucker in there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, maybe I was short-sighted. I really love this guitar, blah, blah, blah. Well, Wolftone makes a Dog Ear humbucker. Yeah. Yeah, and I saw that. that's how I ended up with that thing. That's great. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the issue with 498Ts for me is um, I'm not, a cork sniffer but i do you know i've been playing the same setup for so long when anything is a little bit different it's super noticeable to me and then that becomes super irritating and the retail pickups <laughs> <laughs> the retail pickups that you get from gibson you know like if you go to sweetwater or whatever uh they're four conductor wires but the ones that are that they put in their guitars are the two conductor you know what i mean it's the like shielded right thing and then it's one wire and then the retail ones are the four conductor. And for some reason, the four conductor ones don't sound, they just sound different and I don't like it. And so I'm always looking for pickups that people have pulled from their guitars, which is hard to, you know, come by, it seems like. And so, um, buddy, Wolf, uh, yeah, Wolf is makes all kinds of cool shit. Well, yeah, his, so the, the one I got from him is the two wire. So the, the braided, uh, ground yeah, wire they, and all he that gives stuff. gives you the and, option, right? When you order. Yep. Yep. And, uh, 
I ordered the aged uh, nickel pickup or cover. Looks fucking great. Like, yeah. yeah. And and so and so you know, and then I've also had issues with um, the some some pickups that I bought uh, not sounding that great. And so it's like, okay, well, more my pickup I mean, supplies I have so his hit or pickups, miss. And so I've got his pickups in four of my guitars. Yeah, and they're all fucking awesome. I've got them in two Marvins. Um, that Esquire that Chris made me, he put mm-hmm. a wolf tone in there because he knew I liked them. Yeah, and and then also in my beloved Yamaha SG, I swapped out the Duncan fifty nines I had in there right. for some Marshall heads. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm always looking for backups of my stuff and consistency. You know what I mean? And so, and it's cool. You know, the guys from Washington. He's you know fairly local to me. Uh, you know, I saw your thing on his. I saw a video of you on his website. And I was like, fuck, Mike likes these. Maybe I should try one. And, and that's when I looked well, through the things. So I went to fucking high school and junior high school with that guy. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Did you know his, that? Yeah, I heard his Couch Rips interview. So, yeah. Yeah. Funny dude. So, yeah, I definitely think, I'll pr- you know, with the sale going on, you know, and knowing me buying guitars, I might just buy one or two to have on hand. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. And uh, I think going forward, that's going to be my pickup. So. This is not the news I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're right. This is huge news. This is huge news for me. This is not this like is most really, people. Yeah. This is a moment of tremendous growth. <laughs> I really believe it. So, yeah. Psyched on the uh, Wolf Tone. And they got all kinds of different pickups. So, if you're looking for a pickup, man, definitely check them out. Yeah. I, I say so. Yeah. Good dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, weird, du- weird dude, but good dude. Yeah. I... I I emailed him and, uh, or I bought the thing and he sent me an email right away, like at like two in the morning. <laughs> it's like, okay, man, oh, yeah. I'll wrap no, it you up. Can count, you, it, so. you can count on that. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, man. Uh, did you tell him that we're buddies? I told him, uh, I, I think I told him I saw your video and maybe I told him we did a podcast together, but anyways, I was like, Hey, if Mike likes it, I'll figure I'd give it a shot, you know? So. But I don't think you responded well, to that. Well, well. I was trying to uh, <laughs> let him know that sponsoring sing you my br- was... Sing up my brand. Well, it's, you know, I mean... Oh, I mean, I buy stuff from him. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I was letting him know that, uh, you know, genuinely seeing you uh, on that video, I was like, oh, well, fuck, Mike likes these, you know? So that's what pushed the needle over the edge or whatever, so... Is that a saying? I don't. Is know. that a real well, saying, push, or did you just make that up? Not. It's not needle over the edge. Push something over the edge. Yeah, I guess just push my purchasing decision over the edge into doing it. So right into a bottomless pit of purchasing those pickups <laughs> yeah. forever. Yeah. Little does he know how many guitars I have, and oh fuck. You know the value of those four ninety eight T's is going to plummet because so <laughs> many are going to hit the market yeah, right. when you take them out of your guitars. <laughs> You know, it's all about supply and demand, yeah. my friend. Yeah, no, I'm going to crash the market. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, so how was Nashville? You went to Nashville, right? Uh, I did, and it was really cool. Nice. So you had a, it was a little tough getting there because of the flood or whatever? Why don't you tell me about what It was, happened? well, we, so for folks who are listening, they, um, Probably everyone is in America. I don't know. What the fuck do I know? But, you know, we had a terrible um, storm roll through New York. We were on the train when the storm was happening. We got into Penn Station and we had no idea, really. Um, We were like, oh, look, it's raining. And then we stepped out of the train station and it was like going from the door of the station to our car. We got so drenched that it looked like we had jumped in the sea. Wow. It was gnarly. Was there any water in the station? No. Okay. No, it was, it's like a new station. It's all like up, you know, Gotcha. it's not, it's not the subway. Um, and it was gnarly getting home. You know, the traffic was really bad. And then we just went to sleep. It was not really that big of a deal. The, the rain kind of died down a little bit. I ran to the store and and we got some food and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, the next morning, it, it, you know, it was it was fine out. It was it wasn't raining or anything, and we were in a car. We left two hours early for the airport, which is plenty enough time when it's like 
20 minutes away and we had like the uh, you know get through security quick passes and all that kind of shit yeah but traffic was just like creeping like two miles an hour right and we we realized at a certain point like we're gonna miss our flight you know oh man and what we re what we what we came to find out was as we were going down the highway we came upon cars and when we first saw them we thought that there had been a pile-up accident on the other side like going the other direction yeah i was like wow look that was a crazy pile up you know there's like eight cars and they're going every direction across lanes and everything else Mm -hmm. and then as we got closer we realized the same thing was happening in uh you know going our direction on the highway oh it was like what the hell and you know they were just Basically, from that point forward, the entire highway was just littered with cars abandoned on the highway. Whoa. And there were so many of them, and it was so gnarly. The The highway system in the city, they, they couldn't get the cars off. You know, they had been there since the night before. Right, right. Yeah, wow. that's gnarly. So we got there, and we... <clears throat> we had almost thrown our hands in the air, but we it was like, you know... 10 minutes before boarding yeah so i had my base in a in like a reunion blues like a heavy duty travel bag Mm -hmm. and i've i've traveled and flown with those before it's fine yeah you take them through security and you can gate check it and it's okay i've never had a problem and my suitcase was small enough i knew i could gate check it if they didn't want to let me put it in an overhead Mm -hmm. so i just went straight through but christine had larger bags right yeah or a larger bag so she had to check it. So we were like, fuck, she's going to miss her flight. So she rescheduled her flight, went from LaGuardia to JFK in a car and was caught another flight over there, which was gnarly. So she was like five hours more travel time than me that day. It was pretty brutal for Oof. her. Um, but as it turns out, I got through, like got to the gate and I was like, oh shit, it looked like it, you know, it was closed. Right. And I thought, but I was looking at the wrong gate. Oh. And then as I got up there, um, uh, it ended up being delayed like 30, 40 minutes. She totally could <laughs> oh, have. Oh man. She totally could have probably made it. Yeah. The guy that sat next to me though, who got her seat, mm-hmm. stayed in the airport the night before. Oh, you're kidding. No, Oof. isn't that gnarly? Yeah. Yeah, I've slept over in an airport before. It's not it's not fun. Um so yeah, that was our travel. And then coming back, um the train lines were down. Oh wow. Like they had been damaged in the storm. So wow. I had to not fly through the city. I flew through Albany. Oh, okay. So everything was cattywampus. Yeah. That's pretty wild, man. Well, I'm glad you're I'm glad you're okay and I'm glad you got to uh play a gig man yeah it was a you know it was a funny birthday party destination birthday and (laughs) saw friends and you know visited uh the fancy like carter vintage oh right yeah mostly you know there's a lot of do to do going on down there (laughs) not a lot of masks i came home i haven't been drinking very much water so i've had headaches during the day yeah and i've just been so paranoid and i was like fuck i have covid my nose is running oh my god am i sick do i have a temperature right and i went and got tested negative oh awesome so hopefully it was you know yeah yeah sometimes i have like weird health stuff and i always wonder like is this just psychosomatic you know what i mean like right like one little thing will happen and then i'm like hypersensitive to everything you know so uh yeah a lot of times it's psychosomatic so did you, uh, so yeah. you're in Nashville, did you go to Third Man Records and make the sex an inch? No, I didn't. Ah! I didn't even go there. You know, here's the thing. I went and saw, the first night I was there, I went and saw The Sword. Oh, wow. Okay. I went and saw The Sword. Nice. The first night there, at which was rad. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the next night was Friday, and that was like uh, the first of three parties for the birthday. And then Saturday night, I bought... I bought tickets for Third Man, for a show at Third Man for Mdu Mokhtar. Okay. Who's this fucking incredible, uh, like, psych- uh, African psychedelic electric guitar player. Yeah. Um, and then I 
fucking got cold feet. I chickened out. Because of just being around a bunch of people? Or it what? was sold. Yeah, it was sold oh, out. No yeah. one wore masks. And it was just like, Christ. Oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it was probably smart. I have tickets for um, the Circle Jerks. I, I bought the tickets like a year and a half ago or whatever, and their shows have been canceled and rescheduled and rescheduled and rescheduled. And now they're rescheduling for March in Portland. And I apparently they're going through with it because because they actually played a sh- you know the first show on this tour a couple of days ago and i'm like ah, i don't i don't know that i'm gonna go i mean kiss is coming right. in a couple of weeks and i don't i don't think i'm gonna go so yeah really yeah i mean not even masked nah i i just you know i've seen kiss a bunch of times and i saw them on the end of the road tour once already <laughs> you know and they lip synced and I don't even think they were playing their instruments. And, you know, kiss shows are always fun, but, you know, it's not like the reunion tour in 97 or whatever. And so I said my goodbyes and uh, they just happened to be doing a second leg on the end of the road tour. So, yeah, I think I'm going to pass. I saw Paul mm. Stanley got COVID. So he did. Yeah. Even uh, even rock stars get the vid. <laughs> get the Rona. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, oh, I, I still don't want it. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I got two other pieces of follow up. Uh, there's a, somebody on uh, Instagram uh, let us know that they're doing a 21 year Kid A reissue. <laughs> no. Yep. What? Why? I I have no idea. 21. 21. Why 21? Well, my thought was. You know, the album sucks so bad the 20th anniversary came by, came and went and nobody noticed. <laughs> and then uh, they realized they could probably make some money off some suckers. And so they're doing the 21st <laughs> anniversary reissue. 21st? Yeah. God, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not even a good number. Right. Like, wait four years, you impatient bastards. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they'll like, do a 25th re- anniversary reissue as well. Do you, you think... Know? Do you think they're doing 21 because it's like, well, Kid A is old enough to drink now? Maybe. So it says, uh, Radiohead have announced Kid A, uh, Kid Amnesia, uh, 21st and 20th anniversary triple album reissue of Kid A and Amnesiac. So, oh. Tommy York. Well, that's both rough. records. Yeah. Um, what about, speaking of kids and 90s bands? Mm-hmm. Can we call them a 90s band? Yeah. Oh, as, as far as I'm yeah, concerned, so. their best work came out in the 90s. Right, yeah. Yeah, I would consider them a 90s band. Kid A came out in 2000, So, and fuck Kid A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe 2001, but probably 2000. 2000 for sure. Yeah. Definitely 2000. So what about that asshole that is the kid from the Nirvana cover that wants to sue them? <laughs> what a dickhead. The, all the memes are great, though. Yeah. Sprouted up. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I get that, like, his, you, you know, I mean, he had no say in it. You know, his parents signed him up for it and probably took the money or whatever. And But, you know, who cares? Tough shit. Nobody recognizes yeah. him. Nobody knows. Who fucking, fuck you. And, I mean, he's remade the cover a bunch of times over the years, so it's not like he had a problem with it his whole life, you know, so... Right, all of a sudden he's developed one because he wants to Me Too Nirvana. Right, yeah. That's yeah, <laughs> fucking lame, dude. I, I mean, you know, I know they probably got paid like 200 bucks for the photo or whatever, and that, that's all the financial whatever he's ever gotten from it, but it's not like that photo sold those records, so he doesn't, he's not owed anything. Right. And uh, now he just looks like a dickhead to everyone, you know? Like, I mean, the guy had a great story for talking to girls in bars, you know, like, and now the story is, oh, this guy's a dickhead, you know, so. Yeah, totally. Bad move, dude. Not a good idea. Uh, my, uh, my last piece of follow-up is last week on the show, <clears throat> John and I uh, were talking and I talked about how people should not be wearing sunglasses on stage at night. And he brought up some people and uh, he mentioned Billy Gibbons and I agreed with him, but I, I needed to, I, I, after listening to the episode, I, I realized I needed to point out, I don't think 
Billy Gibbons exists without sunglasses. So that's <laughs> like, like seriously, if that dude took off his crazy hat and his sunglasses and I was standing next to him in the line at Burgerville, I would have no idea who it was. You know what I mean? Like that guy's, that guy's, I have no, no idea what his eyes look like. So he's, uh, yeah, I think he's exempt from that just because that's just the thing, you know? So Billy Gibbons has sunglasses uh, on period. You know? Yeah. No, he's probably. Did I ever tell you the story about how we were at, um, where were we? What do you call it? Whole Foods in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And Christine and I were there. I don't know what we were doing. She was there for work and I was there for work both simultaneously. Yeah. Before I moved to New York. And we were uh, at the Whole Foods marveling at the produce. Not I wasn't, but she was because she lived in New York and it's hard to get California grade produce there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, she just stopped and she's like looking down the way and she was like, why does that guy get to dress like that? I want to, I want to dress like that. That guy's my fucking hero. (laughs) And I look down there and it's fucking Billy Gibbons. Oh, wow. I was like, well, that's because that's Billy Gibbons. And he's just like, you know, he he does what he wants. Right. He's the sharpest motherfucker around ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can... Google and find photos. If you search for Gilly, Billy Gibbons, no sunglasses, you can find a few photos. But Billy Gibbons, no sunglasses, no hat brings up no results of him not wearing a hat and not wearing sunglasses. So, Oh, yeah, that's you're not going to find that. Although there are some pictures of him like from the like a long time ago where, you know, he just he's a kid, basically, you know, early 20s with none of that. No stuff beard. On. Yeah, no beard, no hat, no sunglasses so yeah interesting um now he's uh he's an american treasure yeah yeah i don't don't know did we talk about uh uh, it wasn't frank beard that passed but um dusty is that his name yeah yeah he passed recently in charlie watts too man yeah that was rough dude lame yeah but ever i mean everyone dies man yeah. and i don't know the worst thing the worst <laughs> thing that can happen is that <laughs> it wouldn't be an episode of golden shower bits if we didn't talk about death <laughs> sorry go ahead <laughs> imagine if you were i'm not even going to come up with two people right just because that's morbid and unfair and weird and i don't want to contribute to that kind of energy but Imagine being a, like a celebrated performer, but on the day that you die, when people would normally be memorializing you, uh, you know, Lemmy died. Right. Or Lemmy actually died on my birthday. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Uh, or, fuck, I don't know, just whatever. Like, you know, who is, like, fucking Keith Richards died, you know, and it's right. just like, oh, God, you know? Well, <laughs> that's it. Like, ne- like you are forgotten. So, uh, Darby it's- Crash from the Germs uh, overdose and died on December seventh, nineteen eighty. The next day, John Lennon was murdered. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Not that that many people knew who but Darby, Darby Crash was. Yeah, wasn't but, a megastar. Yeah, but yeah, he was definitely overshadowed by Lennon's murder. So, my sisters. Didn't know who Darby Crash was. Yeah, it's fine. The germs are terrible. Um, Not a fan. I, I don't think they're terrible. Really? Uh, no, I don't. Oof. All right. I'm going to link to some germs <laughs> songs if you haven't heard them. All right. In the show notes. It's not good. It's not, you know, it's not my favorite thing in the world. That's for sure. Some people really hang their hat on them. I, that And I don't get that. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, but, Keith, Keith Morris talks about him all the time. He's like, I got a germs burn. And it's like, the germs suck, dude. Why, why are you telling well, us this? neither of us ever saw them live. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think that, that, that there's a big part of someone's attachment to a band uh, is based in, you know, probably their experience seeing them live. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the germs was more of a, almost like a performance piece. You know what I mean? Well, like uh, Pat Smear didn't even own a guitar the entire time he was in the Germs. He just borrowed a guitar from somebody every show. So, sounds awesome. 
<laughs> yeah. So, Imagine just walking in and, and out and never having to load a piece of gear. It sounds so good. That's true. You know? Yeah. It's like being a, a rock star with a roadie without be, having to be, without right. the responsibility of being a rock star. Right. <laughs> but I mean, that, you know, that right there shows you the seriousness of those guys or, you know, whatever. So, mm. not great. Um, yeah, that's all I got for follow-up, so. That's all your follow-up? Yeah. Wow. Well, we're man. 45 minutes in. <laughs> Sorry, audience. <laughs> that's what happens when I don't get to talk to Mike once a week. Yeah. Everything just builds up. Um, let's see. Is, what else do we have? Do we have other things to talk about at all? Uh, we have Probably the record. <laughs> we do have this record. I have a feeling that I'm going to be the unpopular one in this episode. Really? Yeah, I I did, I was real split on this record. Yeah. Yeah. Are you not much of a jazz fan or uh, well, what do you think of jazz in, in general like from the 60s? Well, saying that I'm into jazz is like saying that I'm into metal mm -hmm. or rock. Because REO Speedwagon is rock, <laughs> right? And so is and so is ACDC. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so I think. Oh, anyone who hasn't, I, we're talking about Mingus, 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 Mingus. Right. Um, and you know Charles Mingus is incredible. Yeah, but I don't like like bandstand jazz, like big band jazz, mm -hmm. and there. There was a lot of this, like probably half of this record, which kind of felt almost like big band or like a little bit of throwback. Yeah, because it was that. like the early '60s still here when yeah, this came six, out. Yeah, '63. And I, I don't know how fresh the material was. Um, I know he maybe co-composed some of the music with another dude who is still alive and is 91. Really, I looked him yeah. from this record. Yeah, the other, the like a hunter, some Bob Hunter, maybe, or some, some maybe that's his name. I don't, maybe I fucked it up. I don't know. Hmm. Um, but yeah, there, oh, Bob Hammer, Bob Hammer, what yeah. a killer name, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, when I hit him with the Bob Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that guy's still alive, but wow, um, yeah, the some of it kind of felt like the backdrop for like there i was on the upper east side chasing down some bird who whose husband you know like totally it's like yeah. the it's like the music underneath the narrative to the beginning of like some film noir that's <laughs> private dick movie and that's and i do i didn't like it because it felt corny to yes me. i even I, though i actually had my line the line in my notes says <laughs> Some of the songs remind me of sexy parts from movies from the 70s and 80s. <laughs> so, yeah, like, you know, the, 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 the scorned housewife goes into the private dick's office and there's smoke in the, you know, cigarette right. smoke. And it's like the sexy saxophone comes up. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and, and that really turned me off uh, on this record when I first listened to it. Um but then I kind of started to think, I'm like, well, this came out in 63. So, I mean, those types of movies or that shtick in movies probably came later. You know what I mean? So it's not like, it, it's like those movies stole this music to do that with. And so it's unfair for me to right. complain, you know, not like it because of that when that's not Mingus's fault. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, sure. Like, it's not, it's not okay to hate on Al Alice in Chains because of Godsmack. <laughs> right <laughs> exactly so right yeah um seems unfair yeah i mean i i don't listen to so when i when i when i got into punk rock um i had heard black flag and minor threat and then from hearing those i went out and looked for other punk rock right and almost everything i found after that was terrible you know, like I would buy cassettes and I was like, this sucks. Like this isn't, you know, and I'm going to say two bands here and people are going to lose their fucking minds. But, uh, 
you know, I bought a Ramones tape and I bought a Clash tape. And I'm like, this is bullshit. This is not, you know, I wanted Black Flag, <laughs> you know, extended or Minor Threat extended. And, you know, um, the, the Ramones and, and the Clash are not fucking Minor Threat, you know. And so not to take anything away from those bands, but I was like really disappointed uh, hearing those, you know. And I, and I realized Flag and, and Minor Threat came after you know, they were influenced by the Ramones and the Clash. I fell in love with Thelonious Monk in the 90s. Uh, a friend of mine from England who sadly passed away, uh, he used to listen to it. And I was, the first time I heard it, I was just like, this is amazing. Oh my God, I love this, you know, and turned me on to Thelonious Monk. And so because of my experience with punk rock and, and looking for other stuff and being disappointed, I did not want that to happen with jazz. So unless it, I heard other jazz musicians organically, like in the, you know, on the radio or whatever, I've never searched out other jazz because I don't want to be disappointed by it. So, so I know who the, you know, I know the names like Charlie Parker and, 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 uh, you know, I've listened to Coltrane. I like Colt, you know, I love Coltrane too. Um, and, and maybe, you know, that's a mistake for me to do that. Um, to not seek out other jazz, but, um, but like I said, I know that these people's names, uh, but I, I haven't really investigated their albums. So I had never listened to Mingus before this. I, I Did like you, the record. I mean, it's, it's yeah. not Thelonious Monk and it's not, you know, Monk is more piano driven and obviously this guy's not a piano right. player, but, um, so I was like, eh, but you know, after listening to it for a few days, I really enjoyed it. So I think the, uh, the horns on it are amazing. The drumming is great and the piano is good too. So there, uh, yeah, there were things about it that I really liked, yeah. but you know, not really it, your thing. Yeah. I mean, I would rather listen to almost any miles Davis yeah. than this record. You know, the funny thing is, is the same thing happened with this record that happened with the Billy Ray Cyrus album mm-hmm. <laughs> for me, which is, which sounds like, heresy for me to say yeah. those two names <laughs> this, this together right good. yeah um but after the album was over it just played more mingus oh, and right. the stuff that i heard after was always better yes yeah. yeah i uh i don't i don't i don't know if i don't have the repeat thing on or or what that you do uh but i actually searched so you know in doing research about mingus um you know, it's it's funny that this was chosen as somebody's favorite album from the 60s, yet in the Wikipedia article about them, it's almost like this record's kind of a footnote, and it talks about a bunch of other records. So uh, the album The Black Saint and the Sinner Lady uh, was mentioned a lot, and so I listened to that. Way better record. Uh, I like that right. album way better. And it's, I don't know if it's, um, it's like a bigger band, I guess, and so maybe that's something I like about it. But um, also, he did an album, and I, I don't know that I have it written down, but he did an album that's all improvisational solo piano. So it's just him sitting down and jamming on the piano, and that's really good, too. Um, I'll have to find the... How, what kind of fucking... Yeah, it's called Mingus Plays Piano. <laughs> what? <laughs> Spontaneous compositions and improvisations. Yeah. What kind of fucking jockstrap do you have to be packing to be a bass player and then just be like, fuck it, I'm going to make an improv right. piano album. Yeah. Hit the record. Yeah. <laughs> just go. One, two, gnarly. three, go. Yeah. Here we go. All right. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, Absolutely. You know, usually you're stronger at one thing, and I would think he's pretty strong at bass. And I watched some videos of him playing bass on YouTube, and he's fucking really good at it. So, no, there's a reason why he's probably the most well known jazz bassist. Yeah. Um, That kind of brings me to another thought that I had. So, tell me. Um, Hold on. Let me tell me about. Tell me about this thought. I have so many notes. Oh my god! You do? Yeah. Um. Actually, that's the wrong one. Um. Well, I'll just freestyle here. How is it that orchestras and jazz bands and that sort of thing, whenever I see them play, they're always reading music or sight reading. You know what I mean? Like, did they not memorize the songs? 
orchestras orchestras and uh like even when i watch these guys um like his jazz bands or whatever like they're reading sheet music and playing like it's not like the songs are that much longer there's that many more notes like you know you never see rock bands do that so why why well let's get something clear okay rock bands are playing music that is a lot more basic right typically one four five or some variation on that you know yeah where it's just like you know where the chord is resolving you know what's going on it's there's no complex chords also right Mm -hmm. but jazz i don't know jazz is over my head i don't understand what the fuck they're doing but if i had to guess i would guess that they're just like chord, like the chord changes is are basically what Band, like the the music stands on on bandstands are showing those folks right okay so they're not like they're not necessarily sight reading note for note the way that orchestra players are okay yeah i guess i just feel like you know if you practiced enough and then we're on tour and that's what you did every night you would memorize the songs and wouldn't need any kind of reminders to look at how do you, you know, know that, I mean? how do you know that they're doing the same material that's night? true that's true they might be mixing it up right you know? yeah. but also with big bands a lot of times you know it's like uh you know the core band and mm-hmm. then there's people that like they local. pick up in each yeah. town oh, yeah. that's true i say that with conviction like i know it's 100 percent true i don't actually yeah. know that that but i know that that it's at least probably true yeah maybe true i know it's maybe true i'm I, positive that it's maybe true well it's funny my uh my old the guy that used to work on my guitars in the quad cities mike um he he's one of the best guitar players i've ever seen in my life um he went there would be bands that would uh, there'd be bands that would come through town and they would hire mike as like a backup guitar player or whatever so like there's like a picture of him and chuck berry on stage you know <laughs> like chuck Chuck Berry had would have someone. I know people who've played with Chuck Berry. Yeah. It, he had a band in every town. He never toured with a band. Right, right, yeah. And you were it just was, expected, like you, like you know Chuck Berry songs, and there was no. I don't think they had a practice or anything. You just were expected to know it, and you came up on stage and played with Chuck. And and half of your compensation was the honor of playing with Chuck Berry. Right. <laughs> Have you ever seen, uh, speaking of Chuck Berry, have you ever seen uh, Chuck Berry and John Lennon on, uh, I don't know. Of course I have. Yeah, with uh, Yoko. Yeah, of course I have. That's pretty funny. (laughs) I'll link to that in the show notes. Pretty good. Yeah, I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, So yeah, (laughs) it's it's interesting that, you know, uh, to me that that I, I see jazz guys reading what I'm assuming is sheet music, uh, but then there's so many of them that are stringed instrument players that don't have any frets. You know what I mean? Like you got to know where the fucking note is on your <laughs> device. You know what I mean? Oh, like, sure. That's crazy. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I couldn't do, I, I just am not learned enough. Yeah. I don't get it. I'm, I won't get it. I'll never get it because I also don't really care enough about it to get it. Like I'm not like a fretless thing. You mean? No, 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 no. I mean, I have lines on my fretless, and that's how I know that where the notes are. Right, right. Um, a jazz. I mean, in general. Yeah. But also, like, listen to listen to chords move through in jazz. Like it seems to me, it's it's a beautiful racket to me. Yeah. And. And it sounds incredible. The chords are falling down all over the place. Like I, ha- I can't follow it. Like it's just, it feels random to me, even though I know intellectually that it is not random. Right. Yeah. You know, but it sure feels random. It feels like <laughs> it's just a bunch of people just like making, they're just like, all right, one, two, three, go. And then everyone just starts making a hoot yeah and then but then all of a sudden you know like three horns come in playing the the, a melody against what feels like free time to me right yeah so what the fuck do i know i don't know anything i'm just a pretty darling yeah falls yeah um but that that's what i think of jazz yeah it's like well 
people who either just feel music in a much more deep and prof and and are more profoundly connected to it than yeah. I ever will be to music and rhythm or people who are studied or a combination of both. Yeah. I know. Uh, so I'm going to attribute this to John. Um, it's entirely possible. This was not John, but uh, I vaguely remember someone telling me that they love jazz and you know, it's improvisational feel. And then when they went to school to learn jazz, they realized it's not improv at all. <laughs> they were very right. disappointed. So, uh, but speaking of jazz and school, when were like you can go to school for jazz, like and get a degree yeah. in jazz. I think John either has one or, or you know, quit before yeah, he got his degree. Jazz or composition or jazz performance. Yeah. And it's so weird that it, it's like, so when did that happen? You know what I mean? Like in the forties, could you go to school for jazz or was that a thing in the seventies? And it's, it's, you know, so, so that's one thing I, I wonder about. And then, you know, it's perfect. So it's perfectly acceptable to get a degree in jazz, but, um, I don't know it's, that they offer it, but there's no degrees for rock and roll. Is there? Yeah. Can you go, like, I'm not talking about GIT or whatever. Like, can you go to University of Northern Iowa for rock and roll guitar? Like, Well, it's probably not, it's not called rock and roll guitar. You'd probably go for, like, pop uh, composition or some kind really? of shit like that. Okay. I'll betcha. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was would, just, I was. I, I would bet. I just, I feel like I've known about these jazz degrees for a long time. And I wondered when they came you know because jazz uh what started in like the 20s or something i, I don't know i'm just spitballing here but and then no by the idea. you know and then by the 70s there's or you know jazz degrees and then we have rock and roll which started in the 50s and i feel like right. we're in the 2020s and there's still it's not respected enough to have a degree you know that at least that's my perception of of it you know but i again i could be totally wrong so well i guess Here's something for you. I love rock and roll. Put another dime in the jukebox. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. That is right. Ladies and gentlemen. Here's the thing. If I heard that someone was getting a degree in rock and roll, I'd probably, I'd laugh at it. I would too. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah. It's interesting that that's... You know, I mean, even as rock guys, like that's how we perceive that. You know what I mean? So, well, yeah, because it's, it's not something that's just not what it should be. Right. You know, that's not it. Yeah. Like, is it because it's not as complex? It's just something that you should learn and feel. Yeah. Period. End of story. Full, full fucking stop. So that brings me to a quote that Charles Mingus said that I thought was interesting. Quote, creativity is more than just being different. Anybody can be plain weird. That's easy. What's hard, <laughs> what's hard is to be as simple as Bach, making the simple, awesomely simple, that's creativity. So if we're right. ba bagging on rock and roll for being simple, that's, uh, that's what Charles no, thought of simplicity. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not actually bagging no, on I'm rock not and either. roll for being simple. I'm saying the beauty of rock and roll is its simplicity. Right, yeah. And... Uh, sterilizing it through intellectualizing it in a classroom and yeah. through um, through study that it, that that has no dirt under its nails. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm projecting my idea of what a rock and roll college would look like. Right. But you know what? Here's the thing: Guffy has a rock school. Yeah, I mean, it's not an accredited... Kids go to rock school. Yeah, but it's not, you know, it's not like going to university for it. Right. So. I mean, to those kids it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the, yeah. and, a, and a lot of them are fucking incredible. Oh, are you kidding? Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. Shit, man. What the fuck do I know? Yeah. But no, I laugh in the face of the idea of a rock and roll degree. Yeah. No, I do too. So <laughs> yeah, I laugh at that. Let's let us laugh together. Yeah. Uh, um, I have some uh, factoids about uh, Mingus. I could burn through if you're interested. I would love to know. I don't know anything about him. Is he? I bet he was a cool guy. Uh, apparently not. <laughs> so, oh, really? 
So his nickname is the Angry Man of Jazz. Uh, wow. Yeah. He was born uh, April 22nd, 1922, and died at the age of 56 from ALS in uh, 1979. Oh, so That's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, at the time of his death, he was working with Joni Mitchell on an album eventually titled Mingus, <laughs> which included lyrics by Mitchell to his compositions, including Goodbye Pork Pie Hat, which is a song that he had released earlier that was just instrumental. But also on the album right. are uh, Wayne Shorter, Herbie Hancock, and Jacko Pistorius. So, huh. There was someone that I recognized on this album as well. Oh, really? Yeah, I looked through the things and I didn't, I didn't see it. Um, he was super into classical music as a kid, but he couldn't sight read, sight read fast enough to join the local youth orchestra. So that's why he ended up not being in a classical ensemble or whatever. So... Right. Uh, in 43, he toured with Louis Armstrong, and then he played with Lionel Hampton's band in the late 40s. He was right. a substitute bass player with Duke Ellington in 53, and his notorious temper led to him being one of the few musicians personally fired by Duke Ellington. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, he played with Charlie. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> he played with Charlie Parker, and uh, it says, uh, conflicted and sometimes disgusted by Parker's self-destructive habits and the romanticized lure of drug addiction that they offered to other jazz musicians. In response to many sax players who imitated Parker, Mingus titled the song, quote, if Charlie Parker were a gunslinger, there'd be a lot of dead copycats. <laughs> Released <laughs> on Mingus Dynasty gunslinger bird is the name of the song uh in 52 he so he's from watts from la he was born in arizona uh raised in uh, watts in la and then moved to new york he ended up getting married and then in 52 he started a label called debut records with match mac bleh, max roach um that lasted until 1957 really? yeah uh he was just interested in putting out you know bands that is like a it, like a typical indie label like he was just into putting in bands of people that were talented that weren't getting you know the credit or whatever that he thought they deserved so wow yeah after his uh his wife and him divorced uh his wife married saul zantz in 1960s in 1960 charles gave zantz the zantzes uh control of the rights to the debut get, uh catalog as a wedding gift Mingus thought the gift was fitting as his wife had handled the bulk of debut records as his business affairs. Uh, and most of the seed money came from her mother. So, and then Zance was uh, later the head of fantasy records. So thought that was interesting. Wow. Uh, I, um, I, there's a fire. Oh, really? Uh, like, uh, yeah. in your house or you got, you need to help. No, I have to go, uh, report for a fire there's okay. an actual structure fire All right. going on yeah. right now we can uh hang it up and pick this up later yeah sorry bud hey that's um, all right man save people's lives and shit you know what and property you know what what i'll just grade it okay you ready yeah uh now that i know he's an asshole <laughs> uh give him a c plus for this fucking like temperately warm record <laughs> wow okay. this is this is not it wasn't hot jazz to me and yeah. i only kind of like listening to it that's it really i gotta I, but i have to go i'm gonna put shorts on no worries i'll i'm not gonna be able to upload this until later okay we'll uh we'll talk hey, next Jamie. week yeah you're great oh uh, you're great mike be safe all right buddy <laughs> bye bye all right people well mike's gone and uh saving people so i'm gonna just run through the rest of the notes that I took because I spent a bunch of time doing this, so fuck it. Nearly as well known for his ambitious music, Mingus's often fearsome temperament, which earned him the nickname The Angry Man of Jazz. His refusal to compromise in his mu musical integrity left to led to many onstage eruptions, exonerations to musicians, and dismissals. Although he respected their talents, Mingus was sometimes feared for his occasionally violent onstage temper which was at times directed at members of his band and other times aimed at the audience he was physically large prone to obesity especially in his later years and by all accounts was often intimidating and frightening when expressing anger or displeasure 
when confronted with a nightclub audience talking and clinking their glasses while he performed, Mingus stopped his band and loudly chastised the audience, stating, Isaac Stern doesn't have to put up with this shit. Mingus destroyed a $20,000 base in response to an audience heckling him at the five spot in New York City. Uh, I pulled this other piece from a website called drugsandjazz.blogspot.com. Uh, and I believe this information was, yeah. His music brought him success and money. And in his autobiography, he indicates that he worked as a pimp for part of the time. In his autobiography, he claims he to have had more than 31 affairs in the course of his life and even boasts of one time involving 26 prostitutes in one sitting. The 31 does not include his, any of his five wives, and he claims to have been married to two of them simultaneously. He goes into great detail of his sexual exploits in his autobiography and holds nothing back when it comes to fellatio or turning a woman into a prostitute and orgies. So, yeah, thought that was interesting. And my last uh, Mingus factoid is outside of music, Mingus published a mail-order how-to guide in 1954 called the Charles Mingus Cat-A-Log for toilet training your cat. The guide explained in detail how to get a cat to use a human toilet. So I will put a link to that in the show notes. So for this record, uh, my grade is going to be a B minus. Um, I enjoyed this record. Uh, you know, it's nice to have playing in the background. Um, I did enjoy some of his other stuff a bit more and we'll definitely be taking a, a deeper dive into that. So um, yeah, I'd probably check out the Black Saint and the Sinner Lady. Sinner Lady, um, you know, if you're trying to find a Mingus album to check out, or his uh, solo album, which I think is called <laughs> Charles Mingus Plays Piano. So uh, that's gonna do it for this episode. Next week, our third time doing a Zeppelin album, uh, we're doing Led Zeppelin Houses of the Holy. So we'll be back next week. Go to 